Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. jump into week two of summer school on how to be wise. Last week we hit pause because Pastor Jason was here. Who was here for Pastor Jason from Elevation? It was an incredible, incredible service. Both of those are up on our website. I sent you the link to those. Listen to them. Send them to a friend. And so we're going to pick back up with, with how we can grow wise. So turn to the book of Proverbs, the very, very first chapter, the book of Proverbs, the very, very first chapter. We're going to read seven passages of scripture here, and then we're going to break some things down on how we can um, take the path of wisdom and the path to wisdom. So verse one, right out of the gate, it says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Solomon was the third king of Israel, um, known to be the wisest and richest man to ever live. And so he says, the purpose of these Proverbs, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and what's that next word? Discipline, instruction, and we don't like those things, right? But it says to, to help us understand the insight of the wise. So there are certain insights and things that the wise know that, that those of us who aren't wise may not know. It says their purpose is to teach people to live, there's that word again, disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, what is just, and what is fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even what, guys? Wiser. It says, let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and these parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. And it says this in verse 7, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so being wise includes all these words that we just read, insight and teaching and discipline and success and, and, and learning. And last week we looked at this, this concept of the very, very foundation, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. At fear of the Lord, like if, if we want to be wise in any area in life, now we can have the world's wisdom, but scripture says that the foolishness of God is more wise than the wisdom of men. And so if we want to have true wisdom, we have to have this fear of God. And it's not like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's not like waiting on dad to come home when you've done something wrong, right? Like when you've done something wrong and mom says, you just wait till dad gets home, right? He's going to wear you out. Like I had that fear. But it's not necessarily that kind of fear, but it's understanding the fear of the Lord that, that God is awesome. That when you look at everything he's done and, and, and what he's done in our lives, that we can't just stand and like, dude, like God's awesome. Not like that, but we stand back and like, God, you are awesome. We stand in awe. And understanding that God is all powerful, that he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, that it's his world, 
Amen? And that we also understand that God is holy, and that means that he's set apart. But he's not just holy in a way that he keeps us out, but he's holy in a way that he has made the way for us to be holy as well so that we can be with him in righteousness. Scripture says that, that we have been made holy and we can stand before him without a single blemish. And so that's the foundation. So what's the next step? We're going to give us some steps today on, on how to continue to walk in that path of holiness. Proverbs chapter 4, with it being Father's Day, Solomon is speaking to his son, and, and he, he says, son, sit down. I want to give you some advice. I'm going to give you some words of wisdom. And he, and he makes this statement a couple times in Proverbs chapter 4. He says, let these words sink into your heart. Let them take root in your heart. Let them grow. And then he says, at the end of that, he says, guard your heart. Because from your heart flows everything else in life. And when we look at our heart, we're not really thinking like, but it's, it's our soul. It's our emotions. It's our thoughts. It's our ideas. Guard our heart. And so I want you to know like, like wisdom just isn't a condition of the head, a condition of the mind. But wisdom and being wise is actually a condition of our heart. And so how is our heart? And so when we look at, at, at being, being wise, I want you to know this. The path of the wise is led by a teachable heart. The path of the wise is led by a teachable heart. And a lot of times when we think of someone who's teachable, we think of a grade school student. But actually, as we grow and mature, we have to make ourselves be more teachable than what we were as a kid. Because the more we experience, the more we think we know, right? But uh, at the same time, the older I get, the more I realize the less I know. It was so funny when I was a youth pastor and, and parents would come to me for advice on how to raise their teenager. I had all the answers. And I also had a two-year-old. <laughs> right? But now I have a 16-year-old and a tween 12-year-old, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I think I'm getting it right. Now my youth leaders are helping me out, right? And so we think that we know it all sometimes, but really we have to maintain a teachable heart. But let's look just for a minute because we, we have both of... Proverbs talks these two stories. There's, there's Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. There's Lady Folly that is trying to get us to do things that are foolish, and there's Lady Wisdom that, that is trying to follow the wise path. And when you read Proverbs, you, you see both of these characters, so to speak, speaking. And so we have within us, leading us, is Lady Wisdom at times, but then we also have Lady Folly trying to tempt us. And so within us, we have you know, a little bit of a teachable heart, but we can also at times have an unteachable heart, right? And so what is this unteachable heart? I want you to be able to recognize that the unteachable heart, um, they've been there, done that. You guys don't elbow the person that you're sitting by. And you're probably thinking of someone that it is. I know like as, as I was putting this together, I didn't think of me first. I thought of somebody else first, right? The unteachable heart has been there, done that. And let's see what Proverbs says in verse 18. It says, fools... Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to err 
their own opinions. They have no interest in trying to understand how things, they have their opinion because they've done it. They've been there. They bought the t-shirt. They bought the trucker's hat and they've sold it all at the yard sale and started over, right? I had this guy in our fraternity um, and, and I've realized my wife and I were having a conversation. I have to be careful um, saying names in my stories. <laughs> it's like I have to start changing the names because our podcast has been listened to almost 3,000 times in the, in the last year. And I'm just like, man, I hope, like can I, go, like, can I go back and change some of the names and the stories that I've already told? And so I had this guy in the fraternity and I won't tell you his name, but it was like, he, anytime we were telling a story, he always came up and guess what? He had already done it. Like if we were telling about a story of something we had done or something we were gonna do, he, he had already done it. Um, and if he hadn't done it, he was related to someone else who had already done it. You guys know those people? And so you can't tell them anything because they've already been there. They've already done that. Um, and it even got so bad to the point, like, like he hadn't just done it. He had done it better. It's like he was the one upper. You guys know, it's like they've done it and they've done it better. It's like, I'm, I'm gonna go run a 5K. Well, that's great. I've already ran a half marathon. I'm gonna train for a half marathon. Don't worry. He's like, well, I've ran a marathon. Like, you know those guys? It's like, I climbed Mount Everest. Like, I mean, I climbed, it was so great. He was like, I did it in flip-flops, no oxygen. It was just like, how do you, <laughs> like, like always one-upping. And, you know, I think of Dwight Schrute, like our office fans, right? Dwight Schrute was always one-upping when, when, when he was racing Toby and he was, like, I'm the fastest in the office, somewhere between a snake and a mongoose or a panther, right? And so we always have those people. And maybe you've even done that at times. <laughs> office folks, come on, unite. Um, but there's always going to be that person. And this is what scripture says about them. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Fools are immediately going to tell what they've done and how they've done it better. And really, when you look at these two, it's just because um, they have an unteachable heart that knows it all. Proverbs 28, 26, it says, Those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. There's nothing that you can teach them. And we've all went through seasons in our life where we're know-it-alls, Right? We've got a little bit of experience and we think we have a doctorate in it, right? We have a little bit of knowledge and we think we have, and, and, and Google honestly makes fools of us all a lot of times uh, because what we'll do is we'll just read, or maybe it's me, <laughs> right? Maybe we'll just read headlines and bullets and not get all the information. And so then we think we're professionals on it, right? Until we get into a conversation with somebody who is actually more wiser than us. Um, and it's not that... Um, they are better. The difference between really someone who is walking on a path of foolishness and someone is walking on a path of wisdom is that they have a teachable heart. Someone who is walking on the path of the wise, they have a teachable heart. They, they realize and they understand that they don't know it all. They live that way. And, and Proverbs um, chapter one, verse five, we said this. It says, let the wise... Listen to these Proverbs and become even what? We said this what earlier. Become even what? You listen to Proverbs, you become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. See, here's the truly wise, those of us in this room that are truly wise, we understand and we think and we know that we don't have it all figured out. 
We know and we understand that we still have a lot to learn and a lot that we can grow. And so I want to give us some characteristics of a teachable heart so, so that, that those of us in this room that want to grow in wisdom, maybe even more so than where we are now, I want to give, you, give us some things that we can work towards to, to have this teachable heart that leads to wisdom. And this first one is, is a non-negotiable. If we're going to grow in wisdom, especially in today's world, there are some things that, that, that we have to choose. And a teachable heart chooses to accept God's word and God's ways. Should have got more amens than that. When you look at the attack on truth in today's culture, and your truth is true for you, your truth is true for you, my truth is true for me, we have to come to a place to where we stand on like an absolute truth. And this is where the church needs to come to a place individually and corporately. You and I in our daily walk, in our daily conversations, in our daily relationships is we have to come to a place to where we choose to accept God's word and God's way as the ultimate source of wisdom. Proverbs 1, 6 through 9 says, For the Lord grants wisdom, not the universities, not the podcasts. Those are all great, but the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him, faithful to his words. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. We have to choose, and it is under attack right now, in case you haven't noticed, God's word and God's ways of being truth and being wisdom is under attack right now more than ever. I'm working on a series for the fall, and it's kind of been in the crock pot, and I've I'm moving it to the microwave for the fall um, on the book of Daniel. It's like, I think we are living in Babylonian times. And, and, and I think we need to address culture with truth, but in a loving way. And so I'm really excited about this series. But we have to, if we're going to walk in wisdom, we have to accept that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, and he is the life. We have to settle that. Right? And I know it's old-fashioned, but it's almost to the point where you need to say the Bible says it, that settles it kind of thing, right? And so we have to accept it. Then the second thing that, that we have to do is we have to choose to be humble. We have to choose to be humble. There are two words that are used a lot, um, humility and humiliation. And we get to choose which one of those we experience. Like, like being humble, that's a choice that we make. Like we get to, and, and, and what being humble is, humble is, it is, le humility and humbleness lead to the same self-evaluation, um, and it's a more modest view of ourselves. Proverbs eleven twelve it says that pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. We can either humble ourselves, like choose to humble ourselves, have a more modest view of ourselves, or we can allow circumstances because of not having a modest view, because of having pride, we can live a life that is going to bring humility or, or humiliation. 
both have the same ends, right? A lowering of oneself. Oftentimes, humiliation is, is very um, detrimental. Humiliation can be very damaging. Watch this. Humility is strengthening because we are choosing to put ourselves there instead of allowing ourselves to be forced down, right? And just kind of thinking about this in my own life, um, you know, a lot of times Jennifer, Jennifer says, you're the most humble person that I know. Um, and it's not that I'm humble. And in all reality, just a transparent moment, I, I project humility a lot of times. Like I, I am humble and I'm working on that. But I don't want people to think that I'm prideful because I've served under prideful leaders that I've seen. And, and it is very toxic at times, right? And so I, I do a really good job of... of um, you guys are going to be like, I'm never trusting that guy again. Is he being humble? I'm just being real. We all do this sometimes. Um, but sometimes I can be extremely, extremely prideful. I just don't show it. Anybody else in the room? I get quiet. I make decisions against what I know is right, just hoping that I'm right so that I can say that I'm right. Um, when we moved here to plant the church, there was, there was no one else um, here planting a church. Um, and then about January, February, March, um, after we had decided in 2020 not to plant Avenue Church, we were going to wait. I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and I saw a new church plant in Murfreesboro. And I was like, God, I've not even built my team yet. Like, this isn't fair. You can't, you can't do this. And so Jennifer and I are talking. We're like, did we miss God? And so I'm getting like all angry that somebody else would come to Murfreesboro and plant a church uh, <laughs> because God sent me here to plant a church. And this is, this is my city. And so I'm just like trying to like, I'm Facebook stalking like who this guy is. Like, and then I find out, oh, he's from Murfreesboro. Great. He already knows people. God, what are you doing? And so it gets better. Um, <laughs> it gets better. And so our, our house next door goes up for sale. Um, and it sells really quick. And I'm sitting on the patio as they're showing the house. And I see this couple walk out on the patio, look around, and go back in really quickly. And I'm like, do I know that guy? And I see him in the front yard. Guess who it is? Yeah. Yeah, it's the guy that's planning the church. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, please don't let him buy the house. I can't, I can't, I can't look at it. Um, and we're, we're friends now, we're neighbors. And so if he hears this, he'll, because I've told him this, he winds up buying the house. <laughs> and so I'm like, God, what are you doing? And so I called one of my overseers, Andy, in Coleman, Alabama. He's a pastor of, of Desperation Church. And he's just a good old Alabama boy. And he says, boy. And literally, that's always, it sounds, sounds like God's trying to kill something in you. You better take care of it before it takes you out. And he said, did you think you were going to be the last person to plant a church in Murfreesboro? And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and so, so what happened is so I wound up calling the guy. We got coffee. We actually wound up sewing into their church plant a little bit. They're meeting at a location that we met in, and, and we'd trade ideas every once in a while. And, so, and what that did is that opened the door for me to be more compassionate. And there's been three other church planners that have moved to the city since I met with him that we get coffee or lunch like every couple of months. But had I not allowed myself, like, like I could have been humiliated 
but through conversation with someone who was wiser than me that helped me humble myself, um, it was been a much better outcome. But on the flip side, there's been times where I haven't accepted that, right? And I think at times it depends where that um, wisdom comes from. Our first baptism service here, um, we do them outside in a horse trough because we don't, you know, have the space to do it here. And uh, I've, I've been a part of like multiple baptism services in Jackson where we would baptize like 30 people in a service and just like, it's just incredible. And so we're baptizing 11 people here, our first baptism Sunday. And we're using a horse trough. We've done it a dozen times before. My previous church at Jennifer was like, do you think we should test it out? It's like, no, I've done this a thousand times. She's like, I'm, I'm telling you, we, we might ought to try it because something could go wrong. I've done this like a dozen times. This is 11 people, one horse trough. I can do this. So guess what? We didn't test it out until the Sunday of Baptism Sunday, and we started filling the baptism tank, and water was going out of the tank just as fast as it was going in the tank because it had a leak because I was too prideful to test it the day before. But thankfully, we had a team that went and bought three, like two or three other troughs to make sure that we had one work, right? And so there are times in our lives where we can, thankfully, I wasn't humiliated that day. How great would it have been? Baptism Sunday. At the end of service, we go outside and there's no water. We're just, we're just going to mime this and pretend, right? <laughs> Get in there and we'll just hose you and pretend to dunk you, right? And so my a failure to be humbled in that moment almost led to like dire humiliation, and I would have learned. But for us to walk in the wise, we have to take the place of humility. If not, we will face humiliation, amen? Um, a teachable heart embraces correction. And we can't embrace correction until we take the seat of the humble. Because we have to be able to take the seat of the humble in order to embrace correction. And, and Proverbs 12, 1 says this, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be stupid. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jen. <laughs> She's like, don't be stupid, right? And, and the older we get, the harder it is for us to take correction, no one loves to be corrected, especially when it might hurt our pride, and it depends on who is doing the correcting. When, when we moved here, just another church planning story, we spent, before we moved, we spent like $800, $1,000 just on our logo and branding because I wanted to make sure you get it right. And some of you guys are like, why couldn't you just do like clip art? No. So I paid like really good money to have a fresh brand that was different, that's what I wanted. And we're here about three or four months and Jennifer, again, she's, she's the Holy Spirit for me. She sees some signs of a church that has a logo very similar to ours that is in our area. And she's like, we might ought to look into this and maybe think about changing ours. I'm like, no, I paid $1,000. I'm not changing my logo. And so the crazy thing is, is it was a church that I had researched before we moved here and they had changed their logo somewhere between the time we moved and the time we got here. And I was like, that's no fair. I'm not changing my logo. And then I started seeing more signs and I was like, I don't want people to get confused because our brand is not a logo. Our brand is what people feel when they walk in the room, Right. But I don't want people to see our logo out somewhere else and think, oh, that's that church when, hey, no, that's us. And so I'm setting up for one of my job, my soccer jobs one morning, and I call my overseer, Andy again, good old Alabama boy, and I called the director of ARC. And they were both like, boy, it sounds like this is a good opportunity to change your logo. And then he asked me this question, Josh, the director of ARC, 
Ark asked me this question. He said, if you were an established church and there was a new church plant moving into your city close to where you were and they had a similar logo to you, what would you want them to do? What would you secretly hope they would do? And I was like, I would want them to change your logo. Like, I've been here. You're just getting here, right? He said, honor them, take the correction, humble yourselves, and change the logo. Now, I not only had spent $1,000 on the logo, but I'd spent like $1,000 on merch and ink pens and bracelets and banners and flags. And so I sacrificed all that to honor the pastor that was already here, accepted the correction from my team. And God's blessed us as a part of that. Now, funny side of that, flip side of that, is about a year later, the church moved to the other side of town. I just found out they've changed their logo again. <laughs> so I'm just like, make up your mind. God, something we got to work out on the inside too. But, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to embrace correction. Embrace correction. A teachable heart, and this is so important, chooses their relationships carefully. Chooses their relationships carefully. Proverbs 13, 20 says, spend time with the wise and you will become wise, but the friends of fools will what? Suffer. How many of us have suffered because of bad relationships? Every bad decision I made, some of people are like, as me, right? Most, not every, but most bad decisions that I've made, it's because of someone else. I allowed the wrong influences to speak into my life. And I got to thinking about this last night. Like, um, I don't think it's just people, but we need to choose what things and what habits have influence in our life. We need to think about not just the people that have influence in our life, but we need to think about the things that we have around our life that influence us in a way, away from the first thing, away from God's way, away from God's word. What are those things? Who are those people? Some of you, in order for you to grow wise, you need to cut some relationships out of your life. You know, back in the day when it was MySpace, you could like rearrange your top five friends right? You need to change some of your top five friends and move them. Not that, not that you still don't pray for them and encourage them because they may need you in their life for direction, but if you're too close in proximity to them all the time and your faith isn't strong enough to walk with them in that heat, you're going to get pulled in their direction instead of them being pulled in your direction. And so someone who is wise guards their relationships very carefully. And so who is it? And, and I found this quote in studying. It says, choose to be with people who will bring out your truest identity in Christ. Choose to be with people who are going to bring out your identity in Christ. And that's one of our values. We want people to find their identity in Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth. The truth is your identity in Christ. Who are you surrounding yourself with? What things are you surrounding yourself with that are transforming and helping you form into the image of Christ or the image of the world? Are we going to walk in the direction of wisdom towards Christ or walk in the direction of, of, of folly towards foolishness and the world. And then the last thing is this, the last is this, and it's sometimes the hardest, um, a teachable heart chooses to grow. Like that is a choice. 
Like, we can have all the information, we can have all the experience, we can have all the relationships, we can have all the habits kind of in place, but we have to make a conscious mental decision and a heart commitment that we are going to grow. Because one of two things is going to happen when you go through something that is painful and traumatic, or you have a relationship that has been painful or traumatic, or you have a failure that has been painful or traumatic, you can, and this, this is cliche, and it's on t-shirts, it's on coffee mugs, you can either get bitter, or you can get what? Better. But that's a choice that we have to make on how we perceive the situation that we're in, how we perceive God's future and God's plan for us. We have to choose to grow. We have to choose to walk on the path of wisdom. And, and, and here's what keeps us back sometimes. And I, and I said this earlier at the beginning of the message. Sometimes God's wisdom seems foolish to the world. And so in order to walk in God's wisdom on his path, it's going to be um, contradictory to where the world is telling us to go, the culture is telling us to go, maybe even family and friends is telling us to go. So when we start walking in the path of the wise, being humble, being teachable, checking our friends, deciding to grow, choosing God's word, we're going to get some kickback. And that's either going to drive us you know, closer to the things of God, or we're going to get insecure, and we're going to get scared, and we're going to run from the things of God. And so we have to be okay and understand that as we begin to grow wise, according to God's standards, the world around us is going to say, no, you're crazy. Like, yeah, I'm crazy for Jesus. Right now, this is what 1 Peter says. 1 Peter says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. And it says, so they slander you. But remember, they'll have to face God who stands judge, ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead, is that when we make these changes and we try to live wise, people are going to slander us. But then I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, remember to your brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. It says, instead... God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things he counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considered important. See, what he's saying is that God uses things that the world sees as unwise and weak and nothing to shame them, but, but at the same time to magnify his glory, his goodness, his greatness. And he says this, so as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And verse 30 is where I'm going to land here as we close. It says, God has united you with Christ for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. Those of us who are walking in relationship with Christ, we are walking in wisdom with him. 
for those of us in this room that we are not walking in relationship with Christ, that is your first step to wisdom. And you may be like, I don't, you don't know like my educational background. I've made some really bad mistakes. I've, I've not been following the path of wisdom. I've been following the path of folly. Can I be teachable? Can I be humble? Yes, but it begins with accepting the one who God has made wisdom for us. Christ made us right with God, and he made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. See, in Christ, we have access to all wisdom. That he was there from the very foundations of the earth, from the very beginning, and he will be there at the very end. He sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He knows it all. He has it all. And we have access to that through him. And so if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray for us that, that, that we would walk on this path of wisdom, of humility and teachability and, and trusting in God's word, that, that, that we would consider our friends and that we would choose to change. But all that change begins with the first step of saying yes to Jesus. It begins with the first step in, in, in recognizing that, yeah, there's a bit of an unteachable heart in me that thinks I have it all figured out, that I know it all, that I've got the best advice for everybody and myself, recognizing that and that that way of life is not working. And there may be some shame, there may be some guilt, there may be some insecurity as a result of that, but don't let that drive you away from him. Let that draw you into him. Just as we read a couple of weeks ago when Isaiah was in the presence of God and said, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips and you, God, are so holy. God didn't tell Isaiah to leave his presence. Instead, God made him holy so he could remain in his presence. And God wants you to remain in his presence and not just on a Sunday morning when the environment is just right, but also on your Monday morning, even your Friday night, even when things aren't going just right. And if that's you and you're here today, I want to pray for you. and I want to know who I'm praying for. So I'm going to ask if, if, if you need to start a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask that you would just raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying for. And you can put it right back down. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It simply acknowledges that you need a Savior. And then in a moment as I'm praying, here's what I want you to pray. I just want you to start with just simply saying, Jesus, I give you my life. That's not all that you're going to say, but it's the beginning of what I hope is a lifelong conversation. You say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I want to live to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Whatever that conversation looks for you, I want it to be personal. Because it's not my words to save you, but it's yours. It can be whispered. It can be thought most important thing is that you have that moment in that conversation. So Father, I just come to you this morning and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it transforms us and changes us from the inside out. God, for those that lifted their hand this morning and maybe even those that did not, but they felt something shift in their heart on the inside that they can't maybe fully explain. God, I pray that just as as I'm talking to you now, they're having their own personal private conversation with you. 
and they're receiving forgiveness and that shame that maybe brought them to this moment, that conviction that brought them to this moment. God, that it is wiped away. Your word says that all those who are in Christ are a new creation. All the old is gone and all is made new as they believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth that you are Lord. And so God, order their steps down the path of the wise as they lean into your son who has made wisdom for us. And God, for the rest of us is... God, as we grow in your word and relationship with you and in relationship to those around us, help us to stay on the path of the wise. God, help us to do a heart check every so often just to see, are we living a life of humility or are we setting ourselves up for humiliation? God, are we able to learn from those around us regardless of age, regardless of experience? God, are we able to learn from those around us? God, maybe there's some relationships that, that we need to um, take an inventory of. There's some people that we're allowing a seat at our table that maybe need to go back on the porch. <laughs> that maybe we need to put some distance between. Maybe it's not a relationship, but it's a habit. It's a hobby. It's a mindset. Maybe it's some influencers through social media or the news or online that we're allowing to speak more into our life than what we allow your word to speak into our life. Help us to take inventory of that. God, help us to choose to grow. God, that all starts with us choosing to accept your word as final, as truth, and your way as right and righteous. And so God, help us to walk the way of life in, in, in wisdom. God, let your word sink into our heart. Take root and bear fruit. In Jesus' name and all God's people say, amen. Come on, come on.